Welcome to the campfire, the only place where friends and strangers alike sit down and tell tales in truth or fiction in exchange of my blessing of their safe travels. Allow me to relight the fire while you relax and listen. Make your mind wander about the reality we live in. The story I'm about to tell you is from a traveler named Thousand Thorns. He called this experience Uncle Porker. Please allow me to tell you his tale. I can remember my visits to my uncle as far back as being old enough to recall them. My folks often left me in his care when they traveled, which was frequently enough. They were both ornithologists and often got exciting trips abroad to view and document rare species of bird. I was always excited when they returned as they would have tons to show me and spend hours over multiple dinner nights reliving their experiences. I ate it up. I guess I could have been an ornithologist as well if I had tried. I did fool around on my own while at my uncle's ranch, spying on birds and other animals with my binoculars, and snapping pictures with the camera my folks gave me. In fact, I spent most of my time there doing just that, in between helping my uncle tend to the smelly grunting animals he raised. He'd done pretty well in the pork business after learning the trade and inheriting the ranch from my grandfather. My father had little interest in it due to his fixation with the winged kind and so my uncle Gene got it. I sometimes called him Uncle Porker and he would laugh. At times, he would laugh in such a hysterical manner that it mildly disturbed me and dissuaded me from calling him that for a while, until I forgot about it. I stopped calling him Uncle Porker altogether after one particular day. I remember it so clearly. We were sitting in the kitchen and I was eating cornflakes while he was reading the newspaper at the table after he had finished his own breakfast. And I asked Uncle Porker if we were going to get up to anything special that day. At the sound of the name, he turned his head towards me slowly, almost menacingly, and stared. He stared at me in complete silence for what must have been at least a full minute, and I remember not being able to quite describe the look on his face until I was older. That day, he looked at me with an intense sort of hunger in his gaze. I know it sounds completely out of the tree, but I have no better word to describe it. Eventually, after reducing me to a quivering mass of nervous jelly under that horrible gaze, he smiled. A normal smile. And he laughed, just like always. That was the last time I ever called him that. The ravenous, empty expression on his face when he looked at me was seared into my mind forever. The rest of that visit found me struggling to sleep and avoiding my uncle as much as possible. I tried to take my mind off things by trawling the edge of the surrounding woods for birds I hadn't seen and it helped to pass the time. I was, as you can imagine, more than a little relieved to go home. My parents were taken aback by my sudden reluctance to go when the next time came around. They asked me why I was bothered by it after having been there so many times without issues. I didn't really have an answer. What was I supposed to say? My uncle stared at me like I was the most delicious piece of food he had seen in a while for a full minute. It sounded insane and I knew it. I tried to say I was just bored of the same scenery, but unfortunately, it didn't work. There was no alternative plan and I had to go. They promised, for the 100th time, that the frequent travel trips would ease up soon. They were empty words at that point. I was apprehensive from the moment my parents dropped me off. 
I couldn't stop thinking about his leering face and that expression that made my skin prickle. Even when he greeted me at the gate and welcomed me back, I had to make a real effort to seem cheery. And nonchalant. I was introduced to Mitch, a seedy-looking guy in his 40s who had been hired by my uncle to help out with what they called a new service they were implementing at the ranch. When I asked what kind of service it was, strangely, my uncle blatantly changed the subject. For the beginning of that week, everything felt increasingly wrong. I was seeing very little of my uncle and Mitch, which wasn't all that bad. However, the feeling in my gut wouldn't let me rest. I couldn't help but wonder what they were up to and why they were so tight-lipped about it all. I just figured it couldn't be anything good and half of me wanted to know what it was while the other half felt better off not knowing. The whole secrecy thing came to a head when I went to visit the two chestnut horses my uncle kept stabled near the main house and I found Mitch hiding there surrounded by cigarette butts. He seemed to have been sitting there chain-smoking for some time. I was surprised to find him there, but when I saw the state he was in, I asked if he was okay. That turned out to be a mistake. He almost immediately burst into tears and howled about how he couldn't do it anymore. Trying to question him went nowhere until he asked me if I knew what was in the large brown bags I often saw him carrying with my uncle. They were always dropped off in the evenings by two men driving an unmarked navy blue van. And I hadn't been able to see anything, so I wasn't too suspicious until Mitch asked me that. I told him I assumed it was pig feed as it was always taken into the barn converted into a sty for the big round beasts. And he stared at me with a frightened expression and asked me if I realized how close I was in saying that. I was beginning to feel extremely unsettled and my uneasiness slowly mutated into writhing horror as Mitch finally snapped and blurted out everything. The things being delivered in brown bags were corpses. Human corpses. My uncle kept separate groups of crazed and starved pigs with the sole purpose of disposing of the delivered bodies. Mitch had dissolved into an absolute mess by the end of his shaky revelation. And to my horrified surprise, he ended it by pulling out a revolver that he had planned to use on my uncle and put it under his own chin instead. I stood there in utter shock in the aftermath. The wood of the stable was stained crimson and the dead eyes of Mitch held me in place until my uncle came running. He seemed genuinely upset and shocked by what had happened and I was unable to speak or even move. He told me everything would be fine and he would take care of the rest so I should go and lay down. Yes, lay down of all things. After everything I had just seen and heard, how the hell was I supposed to lay down? I pretended to leave, but in my stunned state. I wasn't thinking clearly and decided to see what my uncle did with the body. I watched him fetch one of the brown bags and soon enough, he came out of the stable, dragging the now loaded bag towards the barn. I know I should have called my parents or better yet, the police but I was gripped by a horrible curiosity and I just had to follow him. He dragged the body into the barn and I just managed to stop the door from closing with my foot. I held it open for some time, listening and waiting. I couldn't hear anything and so I decided to enter the barn and find out what he was doing. I began to hear the squeals and grunts of hungry pigs the further I went and it started to get darker before I found something I hadn't seen before. There was a trapdoor on the floor of the barn, and a large padlock lay open next to it. My uncle was definitely down there, and since the body was nowhere to be seen, he had obviously taken it down with him. I managed, after a major internal struggle, to open the trapdoor and make my way down as quietly and slowly as possible. 
No one can be prepared for what I saw down there, and the horror of knowing something like that is actually possible will stay with me until I'm in the grave. Any innocence left in my youth was shattered into tiny shards at that moment as I descended the stairs and entered the dimly lit room at the bottom. There, in the center of the room, was a squirming mass of squealing. Ferociously hungry pigs ripping at and fighting over the now thoroughly desecrated corpse of Mitch. They were charging and shoving and biting each other to get at the soft flesh of the freshly dead body and get the best chunks. Blood and flesh flew and crunched and squelched as the body was tugged in every direction and ripped apart. That wasn't even the worst of it. The dominator of the group viciously snapping at the others and shoving them away while he tore at the corpse with his teeth was my uncle. He was stark naked and covered in blood and gore and was overcome with wild savagery as he consumed the flesh of the body in a fury. I felt like my head was about to explode and I couldn't feel my body anymore. I tried to run but I couldn't. At least, I couldn't until he became aware of me standing there and when he saw me watching. He grinned at me, his eyes gleaming with whatever awful madness had taken him. That was when my pure horror and adrenaline spurred me to fly back up the stairs faster than I ever could have otherwise. My heart was on pause as I heard his pounding footsteps and ragged breath hot on my heels. I was able to beat him and slammed the trapdoor down, ramming the padlock home and locking it. I could hear him roaring in frustration, pounding on the trapdoor from the other side as I backed away. As soon as I had gotten myself together, I called the police and then my parents. After the police arrived, they broke off the lock and went downstairs to attempt to arrest my uncle, but he violently attacked the officers and was killed in the struggle as he was too aggressive and dangerous and wouldn't listen to reason. I never fully recovered from that and my father was supposed to take over the ranch after the death of his brother, but he had it sold immediately. I never blamed him. I would never have kept it either. To this day, I have no idea what drove my uncle to descend into such madness. And I never will. But I don't sleep the same or think the same or do anything the same anymore. My dreams and even my waking thoughts are still haunted by that bloody, grinning face with flesh between its teeth and madness in its eyes. Uncle Porker still lives on when I close my eyes and maybe I'll never be rid of him, but one thing is for damn sure. When I die, I'm getting cremated. Now, that was the end of my tale. I hope you enjoyed yourself, listening while escaping the world you live in. That is all for today. Safe travels, and a blessed day. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.